This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Beware the return of COVID-obsessed liberals. Most people look upon the pandemic years of 2020 and 2021 as disasters. The idea of returning to those times sends shudders down any sensible spine. However, there are those who see the COVID scare as the good old days. They look back nostalgically on a time when people took the words and commands of government officials seriously. Their technocratic souls thrilled to the sound of Anthony Fauci's voice. Their socialist sensibilities had no trouble standing in long lines in which people in front and behind them were six feet away. They enjoyed carrying vaccination cards that gave them special privileges to travel. Their love of virtue signaling led them to enjoy having a mask to inform people that they cared. They also got a kick out of ridiculing those who refused to cover their noses and mouths with useless pieces of paper and elastic bands. The emergence of the new variant is already giving these Marxist wannabes new hope. However, their nostalgia has a darker side. There were many unfortunate consequences of the pandemic that continue in 2023. Mr. John Horvat discusses them in his essay, How the Pandemic Shattered Social Skills and Destroyed Public Spaces. What keeps social order today are not much-needed principles, but tattered social habits. Leftover manners from the past provide the basics for getting along. People go through the motions of meeting and greeting, but they have lost the reasons why they do these things. As these old habits generally fade, people do what they want without regard for others. The result is a lack of civility and order that everyone feels. The situation was already bad before the pandemic. However, the lockdowns made things much, much worse. It disrupted what was left of those habits and manners. The crisis broke the rhythm of fragile customs, and people have yet to return to normal ways. Many things will never return. The pandemic also changed how people interacted in society. People turned inward and now find it difficult to socialize. Personal relations were thrown out of sync. Many do not want to try to re-establish those essential links that keep the general balance of things. Indeed, people tend to measure the immense economic, political, and educational impact of the pandemic. However, its effect on social life is now surfacing, and it is devastating. The pandemic might be called the Great Social Disruption of 2020-2021. This drastic transformation can be seen at social events and public spaces all over the country. People are engaging in increasingly aggressive and uncivil behavior. Event organizers report controlling and managing crowds after the pandemic is harder. People think they can let go of old habits and rules. Indeed, self-quarantined people are expressing themselves with little regard for others. After two years of isolation, they are acting as if at home, where they do whatever they wish. Some even reach the point of hurting those around them. The norms of civility and charity are forgotten. 
One new trend is found at live concerts. People are throwing objects at entertainers, often injuring them. These incidents have even become a social media phenomenon. Concert goers share videos of artists being hit by objects, drinks, or bottles as if it is part of the entertainment. Concert promoters are ramping up security by screening fans and forbidding potential objects that might cause injuries. However, not everything can be controlled. In one case, a singer was hit in the eye by a friendship bracelet, while another needed stitches after a cell phone smashed into her face. The performer Pink reacted to being hit with a drink by throwing a microphone at the offender, almost starting a brawl. Fans are rowdy, shrieking at artists and singing along with them when they are not supposed to be doing so. The concert has become a personal experience of the show projected on social media. Another disturbing trend is misbehavior at movie theaters. The COVID home streamers are now returning to movie houses. They are bringing with them their private habits that reflect a disregard for fellow viewers. It is as if they feel entitled to break the rules after such a long absence from the big screen. Before COVID, the unwritten rule was not to disturb the viewing of others by taking out cell phones with their bright and distracting screens. Now the cell phones are everywhere, disrupting viewing. Some moviegoers complain of camera flashes as people post videos of the movies. Sometimes whole films can be found piecemeal online. When the film gets boring, others whip out their screens in the darkened theaters, scroll through emails, use TikTok, or even listen to loud YouTube videos. People are also taking selfies at climatic points of the plots. A new generation of moviegoers has turned the theater into a private one, from which they can post their antics on social media. And there are many antics. It seems the goal is to transform films from passive to active experiences. It is not about the movie anymore, but how the viewer views the film. Theaters report drunken outbursts, fights, and exhibitionism inside this public space. Those who protest against the antics say they must pick their battles carefully due to the number and volatility of the offenders. Moviegoers can expect loud talking or disruptive entrances and exits. Some people dance during films. Drunken viewers will engage in dialogue with movie characters. People are so used to doing whatever they want when streaming and posting at home that when they go to the theaters, they dress, talk, and behave without regard for others. Some theaters resort to videos to remind people how to behave during viewings. However, many managers find themselves stuck between the need to make money off of new crowds of unruly patrons and the obligation to expel those who would cause disorder. The post-COVID public space has changed for the worse by destroying the fragile habits and customs safeguarding social interaction. The new normal is to expect outrageous behavior. 
The decline of civility in public spaces is not limited to shows and performances. Other social skills degenerated during the pandemic and are proving hard to recover. These habits impact business, education, and faith. The great disruption is reflected in all of the following. The reluctance of people to come back to offices after years of working online. The decline of skills needed to conduct a business lunch or successful in-person meetings. The loss of pious habits by people who have stopped going to church. And the difficulties of school children in catching up academically and socially after two years of isolation. The flight from sociability during the pandemic triggered a mania of self-centeredness, entitlement, and comfort. In their seclusion, people did not care how they appeared before others, nor did they pay attention to social interactions. They did not realize the importance of these old social habits that kept society functioning smoothly. Thus, the pandemic also has a moral dimension that needs to be addressed. It not only devastated supply lines, institutions, and education— It shattered the practice of virtue that undergirds civility. The violence and misbehavior in public places are a sad reflection of this desolation. Once forgotten, these habits are not easily replaced. Worst of all, this flight from virtue happens in a time of social decadence. The pandemic dramatically sped up this process. Now, worse things are coming down the road. Restoring tattered social habits is not enough. America needs a moral regeneration to bring back the principles behind social habits. One reason that the return engagement for the pandemic could happen is that society has never reached agreement about the things that went wrong. Even in cases where everyone knows that mistakes were made, like New York's tragic decision to force nursing homes to accept COVID patients, no one has been held responsible. Part of the problem is the polarized society. Both sides are quite willing to hurl charges at the other side. Some of those charges are important. Others are just foolish. On the other hand, Republicans refuse to see the faults of other Republicans. Likewise, Democrats treat criticism of other Democrats as a national calamity. Mr. Edwin Benson argues that such petty concerns need to be set aside. He lays out the need to hold decision-makers responsible in his essay, Hold Public Health Technocrats Accountable for Their COVID Blunders. The people at Merriam-Webster define technocracy as, quote, management of society by technical experts, unquote. Technocracy is a word describing a mechanical rule over people. It applies the techniques of technology to the running of society, which is of a different nature. Thus, such experts are, by definition, more comfortable with ideas, machines, or processes than with people. They can provide some essential services— but they are best not entrusted with leadership over a whole society. Then came COVID. Suddenly, a small group of public health experts closed down offices, churches, and other places where people gathered. 
Downtown streets looked like ghost towns. When interacting with other people was unavoidable, everyone needed to wear masks and stand six feet apart. Living the good life became less about pleasant experiences and more about staying at home. The technocrats were in control and quickly mobilized their machinery to control the virus and implement other reforms. Doctors, some who had not seen an actual patient in years, began telling everyone how to live with a disease that might never end. Actuaries compared typical mortality rates with those inflated by coronaviruses and mapped out the areas of most significant risk. Computer technicians created networks over which companies and schools could operate without bringing people together. However, even when the technocrats were at their apex, some naysayers refused to follow along. Society still needed plumbers, truckers, electricians, and others in hands-on trades who couldn't work from home. Grocery stores, hospitals, and other so-called essential services needed to operate to maintain life, even a life lived indoors. Some schools, mostly parochial, private, and charter schools, took basic precautions like regular hand-washing and not allowing large groups to assemble, but still held classes. Some restaurants served food outdoors. Even governments pushed back against the technocrats. The news media reported that Florida, Sweden, and other places didn't impose the same rigid restrictions on their people. The cameras stood by as networks waited for death tolls to explode. People questioned many of their measures when the experts' dire predictions went unfulfilled. However, the technocrats doubled down. They emphasized new threats. People without symptoms could spread the disease without knowing it. Those unaffected by COVID could still fall victim to unknown and unpredictable variants. Only those who got a booster every few months could ever be considered fully vaccinated. A 2022 article in the Wall Street Journal examined the effects of technocratic rule during the COVID scare from March of 2020 to that time. It carries an arresting headline, Fauci and Walensky Double Down on Failure. The article cites three bodies of evidence indicating that failure. First, U.S. states with more restrictive policies fared no better on average than states with less restrictive policies. Second, Florida and Sweden were accused of deadly folly for keeping schools and businesses open without masks, but their policies have been vindicated. And third, medical treatments and screenings were delayed, and there were sharp increases in the rates of depression, anxiety, obesity, diabetes, fatal strokes and heart disease, and fatal abuse of alcohol and drugs. Any one of these disastrous results is enough to confirm the failure of the technocrats. They overlooked massive amounts of contrary evidence. They clung to practices that not only failed, but caused actual harm. 
In the world of private medicine, each situation would have given rise to a malpractice case that would ruin any doctor. In fairness, separating the early stages of the crisis from the latter makes sense. The tendency was to err on the side of caution. However, as the disease developed, all but irrefutable facts dispensed with many of the first guidelines. Nevertheless, the technocrats clung to the advice they dispensed during the initial days of the crisis. When challenged, they mouthed the catchphrase, Follow the science! while they refused to use new evidence to alter their approach to the disease. They insisted that their detractors were conspiracy theorists, misinformed, COVID deniers, or other pejorative terms. Such behavior is, unfortunately, very common among technocrats. Any acknowledgement of error undermines their credibility since everything is based on the so-called science. Those tendencies are not limited to public health officials. They also exist in environmental protection, education, and other contentious areas of public life. This bureaucratic short-sightedness is why society needs to hold the technocrats accountable for their COVID blunders. Machine-like measures should not be used on living institutions and peoples. Such matters are best left to social structures and natural leaderships that act from long experience and observation of the human condition bolstered by morality and culture. Some organic societies may err on occasion. No human system is perfect. However, they are vastly more responsive to changing times and the real needs of people than any clique of technocrats will ever be. One key to resisting the liberal desire to bring back COVID-era regulations is looking back on their motivations at the beginning of the pandemic. That is more difficult than one might think. Most of us spent those months focused on our lives and those of our families. So many things were changing in ways people never thought they would. It was easy for even the most level-headed people to become confused. On May 21, 2020, two months after the pandemic scare, Mr. John Horvat examined the liberal mindset. His essay, How the Liberals Became COVID Doomsayers, offers our listeners a chance to remember the frenzied world of the early COVID days. Such recollections may be unpleasant, but they are vitally important, especially if we want to prevent their return. Until the COVID crisis, being a doomsayer was a conservative privilege. Conservatives are the ones who uphold a Christian moral code and thus feel entitled to denounce its very real neglect. They have always been accused of seeing divine punishment on the horizon. Liberals generally ridiculed their warnings. However, the coronavirus crisis changed the script. Along with facial masks, liberals have now donned the role of doomsayers. They are decrying with indignation every detail of the handling of the crisis. They are waxing increasingly apocalyptical, seeing calamity under every ventilator. Unfortunately, 
the object of this new doom and gloom is not the very real danger of the COVID-19 crisis. Everyone should be concerned about it. Everyone should lament the tragic deaths. That is not to say that liberals have no feelings about those who have died. However, the focus of their gloom is what they feel is a wrong vision of America and therefore the cause of our doom. They insinuate that this vision is much more deadly than the virus we all combat. They are convinced that conservative policies are misdirected. It does no good to argue about the facts involved in the debate. They do not want to hear about exaggerated projections, misleading numbers, or the Chinese lab origin of the virus. For the new doomsayers, the issue is not the crisis, but America. It should be pitied, not admired. America is not great. It is wrong and has lost its way. Three elements make up this gloom and doom mentality. The first is that the media present a picture of America that is much darker than reality. Every White House press conference is now a gloom fest. The press corps' questions imply a desire to find the darkest data. There is an unwillingness to admit the slightest victories. There is a forgetfulness of heroic actions, like the Saul ventilator crisis, that may have saved countless lives. Besides, these media naysayers assume the worst possible outcome. Thus, anyone who forgets to follow a protocol is condemned as a potential killer. The most casual contact is automatically imagined to be lethal. All these liberal media attitudes have created a climate of alarm, fear, and mistrust that prevents effective action and creates gloom everywhere. The second source of liberal gloom is the climate created by those who are using the crisis to extend the polarizing debate caused by the 2016 election. They concentrate on the person of President Trump and carry on a private war against him with provocations, vitriol, and political intrigue. Such caustic and abrasive attitudes exhaust the nation at a time of high tension. This is no time to carry out private wars. The issues should be set aside. The times call for sacrificing pet projects and personal prestige, not excoriating and impeding the direction of the effort against the virus. However, this confused state of a war within a war cannot fail to drag down the nation when unity is needed. Finally, liberal doomsayers reject one vision of America just so they may impose another. Their vision finds expression in the methods being used in most Western countries to fight the coronavirus. They claim that it must be accepted unconditionally, or thousands will die. Parts of this vision are now being implemented in America. It is based on faulty models like the now-discredited Imperial College London study. More liberal governors are politically active in putting this vision in place. Liberal commentators and analysts like former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger 
further claim that there will be no return to normal, alluding to an unrevealed future that will be run by more enlightened spirits. This new vision is perplexing and frightening to countless Americans across the country because it is not an American vision of life. The methods of this new vision for America are brutal and unfamiliar. They follow the Chinese communist lockdown model of coronavirus suppression that disregards individual rights and even the integrity of scientific data. Suddenly, a global template for lockdown is imposed on us. It is not our own. The liberal naysayers condemn anyone who questions this template or proposes solutions more in line with our American tradition. Our tradition calls for solving problems with American ingenuity. America has always held that Americans are essential. Instead of finding a way to preserve health and wealth, our so-called non-essential industries are locked down denying millions the opportunity of mobilizing and participating in the total fight against the virus. We like to face challenges by stepping up to the plate. However, the liberal template imposes massive one-size-fits-all plans that empty the nation's hospitals, for example, to treat COVID-19 patients who never come. This costly miscalculation led to the deaths of those needing other treatments and the laying off of health workers who have nothing to do. It is nonsensical. It is not the American way of doing things. It violates every healthy business practice and rule of accountability. We have always called upon God to help us in our trials Yet our churches are closed and sacraments denied. God is excluded and quarantined in this crisis when he should be at his center. Meanwhile, the nation suffers. The liberal doomsayers blame a backward and deplorable America for every problem that surfaces. They claim, almost in triumph, that the America we know has failed. Indeed, America has refused to embrace the brutal global standards that prevail. Cold secular models do not inspire us. However, America has not failed. We see the heroic actions of health workers who give all to help others. We see countless acts of kindness and self-sacrifice by many seeking to ease the burdens of the crisis. We see others bombarding heaven with their prayers for those who are suffering. We will always fail when forced to implement a totalizing Chinese communist model that does not respect God, freedom, and fundamental human rights. If we are to survive this crisis, we must be faithful to ourselves and, above all, Beseech God to help America. This concludes Beware the Return of the COVID Obsessed Liberals. Thank you for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. We publish a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. 
You can hear our program in two ways. The first is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. Listeners can help Return to Order be more effective by giving us a five-star rating with their favorite podcast service. Subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will find the Return to Order moment online. We would also like to recommend Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order. It is available as a free download on our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2023 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.